being here this morning. Thank you, worship team. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for leading us into the Lord's presence this morning. If you could open up your Bible to Isaiah chapter 56. That's where we'll be reading out of today. And um, the title of this morning's message, I know they'll pull it up here really quick, but the title is From Foreigners to Family. From Foreigners to Family. Now, we've heard the word foreigner before. I mean, we know what that means. A foreigner is, is really, in a, I guess, a simple terms, is an unfamiliar place or person or, or maybe circumstance. You may be foreign to a subject. You may be foreign to a country. Um, whatever it may be, we kind of know what that term is. And I want to look this morning uh, at biblically what that looks like in, in consideration to who we are as children of God. You know, some of us, I don't know if you know this, but at one point we were foreigners to God. You and I, we, we didn't know who God was. We didn't know who Jesus was. We may have heard of Jesus, but see, you need to understand something. Hearing of Jesus and knowing Jesus are two completely different things. And you may say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, for instance, you may hear of a person on the news, but do you know that person? Just because you hear of them, you know, I'm a sports fan, so I hear of players, uh, NBA players, LeBron James and all these guys, but I don't know them, but I hear of them. You see, it's the same thing with Christ. We can hear of his name. We can hear, oh yeah, Jesus is that guy who, you know, died on the cross or, or he's that guy that those, those Christians like love or, or he's that guy that has to do with the church or, you know, whatever it may be, but we may not really know Jesus. So I want to look today about how God has, has called us from being foreigners to being a part of his family and what that means in the deepness of that. You know, for instance, do, you, do we as human beings... Putting aside as just being Christians, but if we look at our natural world in itself, do we treat our family different than we treat foreigners? In human nature, now Christians, we're called to love everyone, okay? We're, we're called to love others just as we love our brother and just as we love our mother. But I'm saying in our world today, if we looked at people in general, there is a considerate difference in how people treat their family and how people treat a foreigner to their family or someone they don't know, right? I mean, it, I see it all the time. I could go up to somebody and I could talk to them and they could think, I don't know who this person is and I don't know who they are. But if I saw somebody I knew in a store or in a place, I go up to them and I talk to them as if, you know, I know them, right? So there's differences in that. Well, it's the same thing with God. God has brought us from being foreigners, and he's brought us into his family. So I want to talk about what that means. So let's look at Isaiah 56. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 8. So it says, Thus says the Lord, preserve justice and do righteousness. For my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. How blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who takes hold of it, who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people, nor let the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. To them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial. 
and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name, which will not be cut off. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the dispersed of Israel, declares, yet others I will gather to them, to those already gathered. I just want to pray really quick. Father, I thank you right now for your word. I thank you for the truth that's in it. I thank you for what it teaches us. I pray that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide us this morning. That, Lord, everything that comes forth would not be of us, but it would be of your spirit and of your truth, God. We love you and we praise you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. So, we're looking at this scripture, and if you look at kind of the heading of the chapters in 56, we know that right now Isaiah is, is speaking, he's writing what the Lord is saying, and it says, you know, at the top of this chapter, it's talking about the rewards for obedience to God. So all of this is going to be in correlation to being obedient to God, what we're going to be talking about today, and how God is calling us to go deeper in our walk with him. I don't know about you, but when I first got saved... I initially just, I, I kind of stopped for a moment. I think it was for about a week or two. I, I got hung up on for really understanding the purpose of why God saved me until a young man when I was in college, and I've alluded to this story before, really he challenged my faith and not challenge it like say he, he came against it, but challenged it like he said, go deeper. You see, you're, you're, you're here, but God wants you to be here. Go deeper. And so the more I started to study and the more I started to understand, God wasn't just calling me to be a part of the church. He wasn't just calling me to come to church and to sit and to listen and to sing and to pray and to worship. He was calling me to be obedient to a personal, deep relationship with him that then would form in me an outpouring in this world. You see, you don't get anything from nothing. There's work involved in everything. If you want to be in really, really good shape, what do you got to do? You got to work. You got to go to the gym. You got to pump the iron. You got to run the miles. You got to do the sit-ups and the push-ups. And you got to do all those things, right, to get yourself in shape. Well, it's the same thing with God. To know God, you have to go spend time with God. And I'm not talking about, you know, the, the five-minute, two-minute prayer you pray over your food when you eat it. I'm talking about you get down on your knees and you rub the hair off your legs and you praise God and you get deep with him. You get calluses. You get serious about it. Why? Because God's serious with you. Because this work and this life that we live, it has a purpose and a goal. And I don't know about you, but when I see Jesus, I don't want him to be ashamed of me. He says that for those who are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of them. So I want to live my life in total devotion to God so that when I am with him in the end, I could say to him, Lord, I gave you every bit of myself. Every bit of myself was for you. And so today, God is calling the foreigners of this world to no longer be separated from him. That's the lost people, the people who don't know who he is to be true worshipers, and to be true lovers of God through Jesus Christ. And my question to you today is this, are you a foreigner to God? 
Are you a foreigner to God? Well, how could you say that, Pastor Reese? We're inside the church. I'm going to be honest with you. The reality is this. If we really get real, there's people in the church who really don't know Jesus, and they need to know Jesus. There's people in the church who have gotten off track, who've lost the purpose and the focus of why we're here and why we do this. And I'm not saying accusing anyone here of that, but I'm saying today in your own heart, could you look at your heart and say, I'm not a foreigner to God. I know him. I love him. I'm in a deep relationship to him. Or are you a foreigner to the world? Are you a foreigner to those things outside of God? Because you're so close to God, all the other things don't even matter. They don't even make any sense. So God has called us and is calling us to a continual relationship with him in his life. Continual, every day, every moment, every second. To be in true relationship with him as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have to know God. The rewards and blessings of God only come through a separation and an obedience to God. I, 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 it's like, it's hard to explain because I talk with people all the time, and even in my own life, when I start to see that I am not being as committed, maybe to my prayer life, or committed to the word of God as I need to, I can begin to feel a separation spiritually in my heart and in my soul from the Lord. Not that he's left me, but that I could feel this, Lord, you're not as close as you once were. Why? Because God is calling us to separate ourselves from what we want, separate ourselves from what the world wants. And he's saying, don't be a foreigner anymore. Come and be a part of my family. Come and be close to my heart. Come and know me. Come and love me. Come and spend time to me. So the rewards and blessings of God only come through a separation and obedience to God. If you are not obeying God and if you're not separating yourself to God, I'm sorry, you won't see all of the full blessings of God. In the end, it'll be like what Paul said. You just escape through the flames. You barely, you know, you just got by. I don't know about you, but I just don't want to get by. I don't want to get by because a church won't grow by just getting by. Because revival won't come by just getting by. Because people won't get one to, you know, lost people won't get one to Christ by just getting by. There has to be a sacrifice. There has to be an outpouring of ourselves to God. And he in return will pour himself out to us. So as Gentiles, because that's what we were, you and I, we were foreigners to the truth of all of what God had for us. So what had to happen? We had to come to a place of understanding. In our lives, in my life, I had to come to a place of spiritual understanding where the veil was pulled off of my eyes and I saw Christ. See, I lived, I'm 24 now, I lived most of my life except for the past four years, I lived it with a veil over my eyes, I lived it in drugs, in alcohol, in sin, in wickedness, that's how I lived it, that's how I saw it. But see, when God started to lift the veil from my eyes and I started to see the glory of the Lord and started to see who Jesus really was, not the Jesus that I thought he was when I was like going to little kids church and, and, and going to little, a little bit of youth group when I was like in the sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, and, and, and not like that. No, no, no. When I started to really see who Jesus was, that he was more than what I thought he was, that he was Lord and Savior and King, that he was all powerful, that he wanted to change me, that he wanted to have a relationship with me, then something happened. So today I want to talk about the blessings of no longer being a foreigner to God, about the rewards of being obedient to God, about the blessings of being truly committed to Jesus, being a part of the family of God. So the first point today is this. 
is to no longer be a foreigner, we must be joined to God. If you're not joined to God, you're a foreigner to God. Just like if I went to another country and I wanted to become a citizen, what would I have to do? There's a process, right? I'd have to go through that process. When you come to America, you have to go through a process to gain citizenship. Now, however long that, thank God the process is quicker for us in this way, right? Amen. You know, it it, it could be difficult wherever you may be, but the reality is this, there's a process that you have to come through. And then in that, then you are declared get, or you're given what citizenship, correct? Correct. Well, it's the same thing with the kingdom of God. If we're not joined to God, If our hearts aren't fully joined to him, truly, then we're foreign to him. We can run through the motions. We can do our own thing. We can make our own song and dance. It doesn't matter. If we're not truly joined to him, then we're foreign to him. So if we're going to be joined with God, we have to acknowledge first, and we know this, and some of you may not know this today, but if you do say amen, we have to acknowledge first that we're incapable of being right with God because we have sin. In our hearts. That's just the facts. We're incapable of being joined with God on our own because of the sin that is in our hearts. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Why have all sinned? Why have all fallen short? Well, if we go back to the beginning, since the fall of man in Genesis, we understand that it all started at the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were given the decree by the Lord, you can eat of anything as long as you don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so what happens? Here comes Satan in his craftiness. He comes and tempts Eve, and she partakes of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and she disobeys God, and sin is birthed at that point. Adam partakes. Sin is birthed. God kicks them out of the garden. He says, you can't be be in relationship with me like we were before. There's sin there now. And so sin entered the hearts of men from that point on. It continues. It says in Romans 5, 12, therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. In the heart of man, foreign to God, there is no goodness. No amount of deeds or accomplishments can remove your wickedness or my own wickedness. I was in a, a, a restaurant, I think a year ago, I think it may be, and this gentleman, he was a Christian, and he was telling me about how he had to work it. Work it. He had to work for his Christianity. He, had totally been, he totally didn't know what the word was teaching. He thought he had to work it. So he thought every time he did good deeds, it was approving from God that he was saved, that he had salvation, that he had forgiveness, that he had redemption. But see, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's by grace through faith that you've been saved. Not a work of yourself, but a free gift of God. That's what the word says. And so today, if we're going to be joined with God, we need to understand that it's God's grace that's given us everything we have today. And that by our faith being in him, then we can have a relationship with him again. For anyone to no longer be a sinner or a foreigner to God, they must come to salvation through Christ. They must repent of their sin. They must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God. And they must confess with their tongue and believe in their hearts. Luke 5, chapter 5, verse 31 through 32. And this is Jesus. He says, and Jesus answered and said to them, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the right righteous. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners 
to repentance. So God is calling us to repentance. And that's daily repentance. You know, I may not have thought I did anything wrong today, but the first thing I did when I got up this morning, and I do it every morning, and it's just a habit in my heart, is I say, God, forgive me of all my sins. I repent today, and I give my heart to you. Why? Because I already know when I wake up in my own self, I'm a sinner. In my own self, I'm incapable of knowing him, and I need him. I need him to, to, to draw near to me. I need him to be in my heart and in my life. So Jesus didn't just come for those who believed. He came for all that would believe. Jesus came for the foreigners, the ones who weren't a part of the Jewish nation at the time. He came for us. We aren't of that nation at the time. Jesus came for all men and all women, for anyone who would believe upon him. And we know this verse, John 3, 16 through 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God has given us his grace and all he is calling us to do is to give our lives in true faith to him through Jesus Christ. We look at John chapter 6, verse 40. Jesus said, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son believes in him and will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Every person to no longer be a foreigner to God must have all of their heart given to Jesus in faith. If you don't do this, you're not joined with God. There's no like gray area. Now, there's parts in the Bible that, that we don't always fully understand. And guess what? We're not going to understand those things until we get to heaven and we stand before the creator himself and he explains it to us. But one thing I do understand is this. If you do believe in Jesus, you will be saved. If you do commit your heart and true faith and love to him, you will be saved. If you don't, you won't. And that's it. He's very clear. He's very cut on it. Why? Because our culture and our world today says otherwise. It gives you many options. It gives you many ways. It gives you many possibilities. Now, that doesn't mean we'll live this perfect life because we won't. But it means that we will live in reliance on God and his grace every day so that we can live a life truly sanctified to him, through him, for his glory. I don't know, is, there, is everybody awake here? I can't tell. Sorry, I'm not trying to be rude. But I'm serious about this. We need to understand that the deepness that God is calling us to, it goes far beyond just sitting here today. It goes far beyond that. If we could just get that, I'm telling you, it's amazing. And when we start to understand that God is calling us to go deeper, deeper with him. Well, how do I go deeper with God? We're going to talk more about that as we go. But we need to understand that before we can go deep with God, we have to be joined to God. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. To no longer be a foreigner, I must be joined to God. I want to look at a story that Jesus, well, not really a story, but look at an illustration that Jesus gives in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. And many of you may know this already, but we're going to read it anyways. But it starts in, in John chapter 15, Verse 1, let me pull it up right here. Jesus makes this statement. He's, he's speaking at this time. This is before he's taken 
before Pilate and before the, the Jewish Pharisees. He's with the disciples and he's teaching them personally. And he's saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Verse 1 of chapter 15. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Interesting. Abide in me. Be joined to me. Be in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. So Jesus says he's the vine. You're the branches. Don't get this twisted. Don't think you're better. Don't think you're bigger. You're not the vine. Remember that today. You're the branch. Okay? Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. So if we abide in him and he abides in us, we will bear much fruit in our lives. Now, some people may think fruit. What are you talking about? Apples, oranges, bananas? No, no, no. I'm not talking about fruit like that. I'm talking about we will, we will bear fruit of the spirit. We will bear fruit of God. We will bear the love of God. We will bear the desire for God. We will bear the power of God. How many of you want the power of God in your life? You may say, well, wait a second. Wait a second. Who are you to say I can have the power of God in my life? I'm not the one who says it. Jesus is the one who says it. Because Jesus says, and he even declares further in the, in the previous chapter, he says, you'll go and do things even greater than I did. Think about that. How does that happen? That doesn't happen by me not being connected to the vine. That happens my, by me being so connected to the vine that everything I have comes directly from him. If you want the power of God working in your life, you have to be joined with God. If you want the love of God in your life, you have to be deeply joined in abiding in God. If you want your marriage to be better, you have to be joining and abiding your life with God. If you want your family to be stronger, you see, it, it incorporates everything because it touches everything. Because if Jesus is divine and we're the branches, there's nothing left unexposed to him. He has everything. We're connected fully. We can't be halfway connected or partially connected. We're fully connected to him. He says in verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and they cast them into the fire and they are burned. So he makes this point. When you're not joined to me, don't think you're going to partake of the glory in the end. You're not. You're going to be cut off. You're going to be cut off. Well, that's kind of harsh. No, that's reality. That's reality because God has given us this, this gift, this gift of life. You understand this is a gift? You understand that, that to believe in God is a gift? You may say, well, what do you mean by that? I mean this. Do you understand that it was a gift and a grace of God that he would even give you the ability to have faith? He could have said, just scrap all the human beings. I'm sick of them. He didn't know. Why? Because he loved us. And he wanted us to partake. You see, I think we, we get it so twisted. We come in here, and, and I love being here. I'm not degrading the church. I'm saying we, we get into this systematic human nature, and we forget that this is to everything we have is, is a gift from God. The fact that you're alive today and you're breathing is a gift from God. The fact that you can call upon the name of Jesus and you can be set free is a gift of God. But why do, we, why do we exalt other gifts and we don't exalt that, that gift itself first? Why do we put more emphasis on, on these uh, uh, amazing gifts of power, but then we forget the first initial gift was the fact that he even opened your heart to believe? And so we have to be joined to God, truly joined. 
Verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Think about that. I've been praying so long, Pastor Reese. I've been praying so much. I pray all the time and just God doesn't hear me. Well, are you abiding in God? Are you really joined to God? Or are you just praying out of your own heart and your own, your own wants and own, own desires? Because I know this, if I'm joined with God, truly joined with him, when I pray, my prayers won't be all about myself or all about what I'm dealing with. My prayers will be about what he wants first. And then he'll say, okay, listen, I see your needs. Before you even said them, I saw them, Reese. You see, when I abide with God and I'm joined with God, I'm no longer foreign to the things that he wants. I'm no longer foreign to the things that he desires. How many of you here in this place have a mother or a father that you love dearly in your life? Raise your hand. Oh, all hands should go up. Boom, 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 boom. Maybe it was an uncle. Maybe it was an aunt. Okay, let me ask you this. When did you feel the most love and the most connection with them? When you were away from them or when you were with them? I was thinking about this. If I never spent time with my wife, would I know my wife? Would I know what my wife thinks of me? Would I know that my wife loves me? Would I know that my wife wants to be married to me? No, I wouldn't know that. Same thing with God. If you don't ever spend time with God, you'll never know that God truly loves you. You'll never know the, all the blessings that he truly has for you. You'll never know the secrets that he's calling you to, the secret things in the secret place. Interesting, you know? People always, I, I want to hear the voice of God. I want to I see God move in mighty ways. Well, you have to go spend time with God. Because God, he's looking to see who really wants it. Who's really going to walk in it. Who really is saying, God, I'm really all in for this. No matter what, I'm in it. You see, and isn't that like marriage? Isn't that like a relationship? Isn't that like, you know, loving a family member? No matter what, you're all in it, right? You love them. It's the same thing with God. No matter what, he's calling us to be all in for him. Verse eight, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I can't prove, prove to be a disciple of God if I'm not joined to God, not abiding in God, not obeying his commands. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Are you without joy today? Has your joy just completely left you? You wake up every day and you're miserable. You wake up every moment and it's always negative. There's always the, the, the problem. You're the problem seeker. You want joy in your life? Be joined to Jesus. You'll have more joy than you can even control. And it'll overflow in such a way, people around you will be going, man, what's going on with that guy or that girl? She is like, whew. Her car has a, a flat tire and she's excited. I don't understand what's going on here. Why? The joy of the Lord will become your strength and he'll fill you up. So give, Jesus gives us this illustration of, of the true vine and us being his branches. And we have to be joined to the vine if we're going to experience blessing, if we're going to experience the fruit of God, the salvation of God, the spiritual power of God, the healing of God, the strength of God, and not only that, a deep relationship with God. How many of you want to say, I know God better than a friend? I know God as a father, not just as, the, as my God. 
You see, that, you want to blow a worldly person's mind? I'll tell you right now. is when you explain to them that God's not just God, but God's your father, and you have a personal, deep relationship with them. And then they, in return, say to you, oh, well, I don't believe that, or oh, that's just totally, that's just a bunch of nonsense. And then God speaks to you something so clear about their life, and you say, well, can I pray this over you? And you pray it over him, and it blows up. How did you know that? Because God's my father. God spoke to me. He told me that, not so that I would have some knowledge of you, so that you would know he's a father in heaven who wants to know you. So you have to understand, if we're going to see God move supernaturally in our lives, powerfully in our lives, in love and in truth and in righteousness, if you want holiness, you have to be close to God. <laughs> There's no other way. Jesus set the example. Every, every morning, he set the example. The disciples would wake up, and they're like, where is he? Where did he go? They're looking for him. He's up way before they were. Where was he? He was all the way up on the mountain doing what? He wasn't up on the mountain yodeling. He wasn't up on the mountain shouting and making a bunch of noise. He was up on the mountain having communion with God. He was listening to his father, and he was speaking to him and praying. He was drawing near. And then what happened? He would go down. And then what would happen? The miracles of God would come. And, the, and the, the kingdom of God would be preached. And the spirit of God would move. But that didn't come, that did not come from Jesus neglecting the time with the Father. Being a foreigner to him. No, it came from Jesus knowing who he was in the family of God. Knowing who God saw him, saw him as. Look at what God has done for us that we could know him, the one true God, and have a relationship with him. Do you know there are places right now in the world they do not know who the one true God is, and they're dying. Their way of salvation. They have no idea. They have no idea. Yet here we are, sitting in a building. I, I was speaking to a young man a couple days ago. We were at a Starbucks having coffee, reading our Bibles together, and I said to him, there's people in China getting beaten to death because they have a Bible. And we're sitting in Starbucks reading it like it's a book from the library. Think about that. Think about that. And those people in China, they, they, they long for a deep relationship with God. Do you long for a deep relationship with God? Do you long to know him? Do you long to love him? Do you long to say, God, I'm not going to do any of what I was wanting to do today. I know it's my day off. I'm going to go get in the closet and get on my knees and seek you. Do you long for that? Oh, well, Pastor Reese, that's the calling for the, for the evangelist. That's the calling for the, the prophet. That's the calling for the pastor. No, that's the calling for the child of God. That's who that's for. That's for every believer. Why? Because Jesus didn't say, when he spoke about the vine and the branches, he didn't say, now listen, the branches who are the pastors will be much more connected than the branches who are just the believers, the churchgoers. No, he put us all in the same category. Why? God doesn't choose favorites. God has an anointing and a calling for every single person in here. And so he's calling you to go deeper just like he calls me to go deeper, just like he calls pastor to go deeper, just like he calls other leadership here in this church and leadership really in all the kingdom of God to go deeper. Why? Because you have a purpose and a calling too. And you are part of the family of God. And if you call yourself and you say, I'm not a foreigner, but you don't know him, I don't know about that. You need to look at that and question that in your own heart. 
Are we taking this for granted in our lives today? I want you to think about that, that question right now. Are you taking God for granted in your life? Are you taking the time you could spend with him, the desire you could have for him, and the will that he has for you? Are you taking that for granted in your life? Have you become dull and callous to the fact that God is calling you and I into a deep relationship, all the way to the point of him giving us the identity of being his children? Do we get that? Do we understand the deepness in that? Think about that, okay? In our society today, there's millions of foster kids, kids who don't have moms and dads. Adoption is something that a lot of people do today. And adoption is great. I love it. Because adoption is of the kingdom of God. Because Jesus adopted us. God adopted us. Let me ask you this. When you're adopting, or if you were adopting a child, would you want them to know, and would you want them to have a relationship with you? Or would you want to adopt a child, and then they just go in the house, and you don't talk to them, you don't see them, you don't say anything to them. They grow up, they go on their way. No. Have we become dull to the fact that God has adopted us as children and we neglect him as our God and our father? Yet he still bestows the identity and you still will declare it. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. God loves me. And God's over there saying, saying but do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, I love you. My love for you will never change. But do you really love me? Do you really want me? Are you a foreigner to this? Because God is saying, don't say that you are to be separated from him, for his people, or from his people. He's wanting us to desire him and to be close to him. If we look back at the, the beginning of, of, of the verse, if we go back and we look at what it says, and we see he makes a point about the foreigners. He says, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. So he's saying, you people who have come not from Jewish descent, you people who have come into the kingdom by the covenant, by the new way, he's saying, I don't want you to say that you're separated from me, but we separate ourselves anyway. We separate ourselves by our disobedience and by our desires to do other things besides the will of God. And God says, please don't do that. I don't want you to be separated from me. I gave up everything so that you wouldn't have to be separated from me. John chapter 1, verse 12 through 13 says, But as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. He didn't give the right to people who said they, they received. He didn't give the right to people who just acted like they received and they went on their way. He gave the right to those who truly received, truly received in their heart. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He says, when you become my child, you're born of me. I don't know about you, but that's deep. That's intimate. That's personal. God's saying, I, I want to bore you not, not of, of, of flesh, not of the world, but of me. I'm willing to do that for you because I love you. God was willing to give us the opportunity through Jesus to be joined to him. Why haven't we taken this offer seriously? Why haven't we taken it truly? Why do we, why do we take this offer for granted? We shouldn't. 
Because this is the greatest offer that we have. To be joined with God no longer makes us a foreigner to him, but it makes us a part of his family. The second thing is this. Kevin, I'm waiting on Kevin. To minister to him and to love the name of the Lord. Do you understand that God joined you to him? Not so you could just go on your merry way, but he joined you to him to have a relationship with him. How do you minister to God? How do you minister to God? Wait a second. God is God. God created everything. God is the father of all things. Wait, how do I? God already knows everything. How do I minister to God? Think about that. How do you minister to God? Yet it says in this scripture right here in Isaiah 56, also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord. That was our first point. And then the second one, to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord. He's joined us to him, and now he says, I want you to minister to me. How many of you feel very humbled by that? Because I'm thinking, I can't minister. What? How do I minister to God? He knows it. He knows it. He knows all the verses. I don't know them all. He wrote the verses. Think about that. Yet that's what he's calling you to. He's calling you to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord. Look at this blessing of being able to minister to God. Do you minister to God? You minister to everybody else, right? You go out, you're at the restaurant, and that's good. It's good to minister to other people, but we gotta minister to God too with our hearts. We have to love him genuinely. If we talk about God, but we spend no time with God, do we really minister and know God? Jesus, again, said it so clear to us he set the, the foundation of, of how to not first minister to God and to love God, and then in doing so, we could go and minister to others. Amen? But there has to be first a ministry to him. So how do we minister to God? How do we love the name of the Lord? Think about that. I mean, when I was reading this, and when the Lord put this scripture on my heart, it was very clear. I had no idea I was going to be preaching until Wednesday some things came up and pastor was like, hey, I need you to preach. I said, okay, yes, sir. And I just started praying. I spent time with the Lord. I said, Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And all I heard was Isaiah 56, 6. And I said, okay, Lord, that's what you want. And as I started to pray, as I started to read, the Lord started to put on my heart this message. And that's this today. God is calling you to be a minister to him. He's calling you to first to minister to his heart. Psalms 91 verse 14 says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. We minister and love the name of the Lord by how we love and trust him with our lives. I want you to, to think about this. I didn't have these all written out on the screen but I want you to listen to these things. We minister by our obedience to God. We minister to God by our trust to God. We minister to God and show him love in his name by our acknowledgement of God. We minister to God by our way of life. We minister to God by our true faith. We minister to God by loving him first. We minister to God by being set apart for him. 
We minister to God by loving other people around us. We minister to God by reading and knowing the word of God. We minister to God by spending personal deep time of prayer with God. We minister to God by coming to church to first worship God. We minister to God by personal time of worship. Do you worship here? Do you worship at home? Do you worship wherever you go? We minister to God by being unashamed of God. Are you ashamed of God? Are you ashamed to say his name in front of people who you know that don't like him? I had an Indian guy at a gas station one time. I was standing there. This is literally like two weeks ago. I was standing in a gas station, and I was getting something to drink, and he's standing there, and he said to me, he said, you having a good day? I said, yeah, man, I'm having a great day. He said, why are you having a good day? I said, because I have Jesus in my heart, and he saved me. And he gave me the look of the devil. Straight up. I mean, he looked at me like he hated my guts. And I said, that's why I'm having a good day. At the time, I was with my cousin. So I, I go back, and he says, why'd you do that? What if that guy was a Muslim? I said, I don't care if he's a Muslim. You think when Jesus comes back, he's going to go, oh, it's okay. They were Muslims. It's okay. You didn't have to stand up for me. Do you think when the disciples were getting flogged and beaten because they wouldn't stop saying the name of Jesus, they just were like, okay, you know what? Guys, we won't say it. My back still hurts from the last time. No. No. That's not how it is. We minister to God by obeying God's call and commands on our life. These are the ways we love God and we minister to him. If we don't spend deep personal time of prayer and drawing near to God, do we really love him? Do you really love God? I, I know I'm stepping on toes. I can just feel it. It's okay. It needs to happen. It needs to happen for me too because this sermon was for me too. It was for me too. God was saying, this is what I'm calling you to. Don't get distracted. Don't get off track. Don't let the world, in the way church has done in America, tell you that's the way it's done. Let the word and the Holy Spirit lead you. Live according to that. Let that be in your heart. Foreigners won't do this. Understand that. Foreigners to God, they won't do these things. They won't. If you're a foreigner to God, you will not minister to the heart of God. But a family member will. A family member will. Think about it. How did you know your children? For those of you who have children here, I don't have any children. I will in the future and praise God for that. But how many of you have children in here? Do you know your child by neglecting your child? No. You know your child by spending time with your child. Same thing with God. Your child knows you by what? By how you spend time with him. My dad is a very funny, amazing man. And my wife has repeatedly said, you are just like your dad. And I go, no, I'm not. Not that I don't want to be like my dad, because he's a great man. But how did I get that? My dad would take me across America in a car, we drive eight and a half hours so I could go play a couple basketball games. And in that eight and a half hours, I got to know my dad. 
better than I ever knew him. Even as a young little boy, I got to know what made him laugh. I got to know what he liked to eat more than what he didn't like to eat. I got to know his thoughts and his feelings and his opinions on things. I got to have a deep relationship with him. You see, family does that. Foreigners don't. Someone who's foreign to God will not do that. They'll act like it. But then a question will come up or a situation will come and they won't know what to do because they hadn't spent time like a family member would. See, we have to be gauging our hearts and checking our hearts and making sure that we're in the right place. It's easy to get off track. We're a part of God's family. So I say this to you, go spend time with him. You're a part of God's family. Go spend time with him. Go draw near to him. He called you out of being a foreigner and said, I will make you a son and a daughter. He adopted you and called you into his kingdom. Not because you deserved it, but because he loved you first. We aren't foreigners to God if we minister and love the name of the Lord. We're his sons and daughters if we do this if we truly do this in our hearts. John chapter 14, verse 21 says this, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Interesting. Jesus says, he who has and keeps my words, my commandments, knows me, keeps. He's the one who loves me. He's the one who truly loves me. Not the momentarily, but the one who keeps the one who keeps in their hearts. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Proverbs eight seventeen. I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. God loves those who love him. How can, how can you say you know God if you don't love him? Well, God didn't do this for me. Well, so what? Look what he did do for you. Look what he did do for you. Just because you didn't get your way, that's okay. Let that pride die. Let that flesh die on the cross with Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You ever notice that? Whenever you really truly get down deep with God, and you truly begin to minister to his heart, and you truly begin to love his name, it just gets easier. It's like this, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. All of a sudden, prayer gets easier. You're like, oh, man, I'm not going to miss the prayer meeting this week, or I'm not going to miss prayer time at home. It starts to get easier and easier and easier. Why? Because the things of God, they're not burdensome on you. They're not heavy. They're not hard. Because you're going and you're spending time with God. You're going and you're drawing near to God. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. John 15, 10, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If we are to be children of God, we must follow and obey God. God is calling you to a deep, holy communion with him. A deep, holy relationship There's more that God has for you 
more. I was saying this to someone the other day. I said, you know, if Jesus just wanted to die for our sins, we wouldn't walk the rest of this life out. I really thought about it. He may say, well, why do you say that? Because if that was the ultimate purpose of God, then it would have been fulfilled and everything would have finished. What's the point of living the rest of the life if Jesus just came to save us just from sin itself? See, he, he didn't just save us from our sin. He called us to do what? To walk with him in relationship to him. That means God has things that he's calling every one of us to do. That's why Jesus gave the parable of the men, the three men with the talents. We know the parable, right? I think it was like 10, 20, 50 and they all, they, the, the, the ones with 20, you know, he went out. The one with 50, he went out, and they, they received more in return. But what did the one with the 10 do? They buried it. Yeah, the one buried it, right? You see, God doesn't want you to bury what he's called you to do or bury this deep relationship he's wanting you to have. You may say, well, I don't know what God's called me to do. Well, have you gotten to a deep place with God to find out? Have you gotten deep with him? I know when I knew I was called to preach, it did not come just like I was just walking down the street one day and God was like, hey, you're going to preach. Like, it wasn't like that. The night I got called, it was three and a half hours of the most unforgettable night I'll ever have in my life. I was at, my wife at the time was my girlfriend. I was over at their house. I'm literally sitting in their living room. And all of a sudden, I feel this intense urge to go home and pray. I literally turned to them and said, I'm going home. Walked out. I, I didn't even tell them why. She looked at me like, what is he doing? Why is he, he just leave? He just got here like an hour ago. Why is he leaving? Leave. I go out. I go home. I get home. I walk in the door. My mother and my grandmother are there in the kitchen table. They're eating their dinner. I walk in and I just, before they could say a word, I just looked at them. I said, I'm going in my room. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. I'm going in there to pray. Please don't go in there. I don't want to be disturbed. Something's happening. I don't know what this is. My mom said, okay, fine. Yeah, that's fine. And I was in there for three and a half hours. And I, and I can't explain all of what just transpired in there. But I, I knew God was calling me to something deeper. But backing up, days before that, weeks before that, months before that, there was this intensity of I needed to spend more time with God, more time with God. If my mother was here, she could attest. I'm not lying. It, it freaked her out beyond everything because she would come in. You're just going to read your Bible all day? I don't understand. Yeah, mom, you're just going to pray? I mean, like my mom knew if, if she walked up to my door and she heard music and prayer to not come in because she knew I was, I was so focused. She said, I would just, I wouldn't even go in. It could be the most important thing. I just, I'll wait. I'll wait till he gets done. She said, and then it'd be like a, an hour or two. And I'm like, is he going to come out of there? I don't know what's going on. See, but me coming to that place of understanding of what God was calling me to do, that didn't come by me just sitting around. That didn't come by me living a sedentary uh, Christian life. That came by me being vigorous and seeking and pursuing the deep things of God. No one in my family has been called to ministry. No one in my family has, de has desired to do anything of ministry. You may say, well, this is the way you were raised. No, I was raised in a divorced home, and I was a drug addict by the time I left high school. 
It was not the way I was raised. It was not in my lineage or generation, as some people may translate giftings to. No, it was in my desire for God. And that's what I want to say to you. If you have the desire for God, you may say, I don't know exactly what God's calling me to do. Well, go and first minister to his heart and love his name. And I promise you, he will show you what he's asking you to do. Whether it be in this church, whether it be at your work, whether it be in your family, whether it be in your personal life, I don't know what, what it may be, but God will show you he will tell you and he will call you to it. But it's going to require work. It's going to require work. We're not done yet. It's only 11.52. I told Jason, I said, I have 14 pages of notes, dude. We're going through this for service. All right. Third point. If we keep following them with Isaiah 56.6. So we've talked about how we need to be joined to the Lord, that we were foreigners, and now we've been joined to the Lord. We need to be ministers to him and to love the name of the Lord. But now we're called to be his servants and everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath. Interesting. Everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath. We are called to be servants to God and to others. If you can't serve other people, then you really need to rethink your walk with God, okay? Because God has called us to love other people and to serve other people. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be the one who serves. Not the one who, who, who's you know, the strongest, not the one who's, who's gained the most fame or adoration, not the one, the greatest among you will be the one who serves. That will be the greatest among you. So God desires that we honor And we love him by our servitude, and not only that, by our keeping of his Sabbath day. You may say, well, his Sabbath day, what do you mean by that? I mean this. In the Jewish culture, we know that their Sabbath was on a Saturday. But in the Christian culture, our day of rest and our Sabbath is on Sunday, right? That's right now. How do you view Sundays? I want to talk about this. This is a good good church topic. How do you view a Sunday? Do you view a Sunday as a drag? Do you view a Sunday as a uh, burden? Do you view a Sunday as a problem? Do you view a Sunday as, oh, it's in the way. I got plans. Do you view a Sunday as, well, we better hurry up because the game's coming on. Do you view a Sunday as, well, I might be able to get it in. I'll just watch it online because, you know, it's all good. How do you view Sundays? How do you view the Sabbath day of the Lord? Because I can tell you this, how you view the Sabbath day is how you honor God in your life. How do we profane the Sabbath? That's what the scripture says. We profane it by not committing ourselves to that day of rest to the Lord. Why do we come to church? Do you come to church for the opportunity just to say, hey, I went to church. So when you go out, you can feel like a good person. Do you come to church for the opportunity to say, oh, well, it's a great social place and all those people there believe what I believe, which is true. It is a great social place. And yes, we all do believe the same thing that we believe, but is that why you're coming? Okay. Do you just go to church and do you view it as a place where you can receive your teaching, receive your preaching, receive your feel good, and then leave without applying it fully to your life? How do you view church? When I got saved, no one once told me, you need to be at church. I would draw so close to God, God would say, you need to go to church. I never had, I mean, that's how I got saved. 
What do you mean that's how you got saved? I literally was at college. I was on my way home. My mother was conversing with me about rehab clinics because, I mean, I had a problem. I couldn't, get, I couldn't stop doing what I was doing. And she said, I, I, there's a couple clinics over by where I live. We could put you in one. We can, you know, and then we'll get you back on fast track to play ball somewhere because I played college basketball. And I said, no, no, no. She said, what do you mean no? She said, you need to get help because I don't trust you. I don't trust that you can get yourself right. I said, mom, just take me to a church. You see, church was important. And God knew that. Is church important to you? Is it important to you? Do you value it first? You know, we can, come, we can become dull to this. And, and what I see in the scriptures is that to be his servant and to keep from profaning this day. I'm called to be a servant and I'm called to be in this place. I'm called to be here. Oh yeah, because you're, you're preaching. No, 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 no. I'm called because this is where God has called me and his people to come together as the church, as the body, not just the building. We're in a different building. We're the same church, okay? So the reality is this, is that how we view the Sabbath day, you may say the Sabbath day, the day of rest. Yes, it's a day of resting in the Lord. It's the day of drawing in the Lord, drawing near to the Lord. That's the purpose of this day. This day within the culture wasn't just there for them to just go and, and you know, Oh, we're done. You know, it was there because all the other days, you got to understand, you have to think about the society that they lived in. They didn't go down to Wendy's and punch in the clock. I mean, these people were farmers. They were gatherers. They were workers. They were potters. They were, they were people that worked immense, immense physical work. And this day of rest was important because it was a day when they were separating everything else. And they were saying, I'm giving this day to you and I'm focusing on you. Is that why you come to church? Do you come to church to focus on the Lord or do you come to church because your buddy who's been there for 20 years is there? Yeah, that's good. I understand that. But, but that can't be first because if that's first, then you're not joined to the Lord. Then your heart's not ministering to him in love. You're then doing it for a secondary issue. Why do we do what we do? I've caught myself in it before. You wake up, oh, I'm just so tired. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. No, I want to honor, I want to honor, I want to honor, I want to honor, I want to honor. And I'm not tooting my own horn, I'm just saying, when, whenever my wife and I were thinking about it the other day, I know a few weeks ago, we, we actually took off on a Sunday, because we had dawned, it dawned on us, we hadn't taken off on a Sunday, we hadn't, we hadn't, we hadn't missed church in like, I don't even know. It's been so, I couldn't even think about it. I was like, and we wanted to rest with God. And guess what? We, were, we watched online. We spent time in prayer. We spent time in worship. I understand when the schedule gets busy and the workload gets full and that you get called in. But I first want to say this to you today. How you prioritize and view this day is very important. Because it's not just about you being here so that we have someone to, 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 to speak to. It's about you being here for God. That's why we're here. We're here to love him and to honor him first. That's why we're here. We have to be committed to that. When we don't come for the right reasons, we profane the Sabbath. We must first come to glorify God and to love him and to follow him. People who struggle, 
I've noticed this. People who struggle to come to church, they lack in obedience in God's calling to them. I, it's just I, The past five years that I've seen it, I just see it. I'm not pointing out anybody. It's just reality. So, some brother will come into the church that I never met before, and my first words would be to him, hey, man, just keep pursuing God. Keep coming, and we'll see you this Wednesday. Keep coming. Keep, keep being a part of it. And then I don't see him for two months. And then he comes in, he's weeping, and he's crying. What's going on, man? What, where have you been? Man, I got into all this stuff. I'm like, brother, you have to be... There has to be an obedience. There has to be a diligence. There has to be a discipline in it of coming for God, not coming for yourself. You come for God. You come to love him. You come to worship him. You come to honor him. I've had, I, I have a very good close friend of mine who I work with in ministry, and they struggle with the church because of what they've seen in the church, and it's broken their hearts. We have to be consistent and diligent in serving and honoring God. Let me put it this way. What if Jesus just decided one day that when you were praying, he just was like, I'm not going to show up. Think about that. What if you were in the most dire moment in your life? And he was like, I'm too tired. I'll see you later. Well, my job, this. Well, my this. I'm not picking on anybody. This is reality, okay? Tough love sometimes is the love that's needed. And that's not to be rude. That's to be real. I remember whenever my job was conflicting I, before I worked here with the church. Whenever my job was conflicting with church, I, I kept missing Wednesday nights and I didn't like it. And I went to my manager, I said, I really don't like that I'm missing Wednesday nights. And, and he said, well, I don't really care about that. And I said, okay, well, can you please change my schedule or move me to another day? Um, because, or let me, can I leave early? I'll come in like two hours early. You know what I mean? And then I can get off early so I don't miss church. And he just wouldn't. So finally one day, the week that, I actually was, I was pretty sure I was going to get fired. I quit. He must say, you're going to get fired. Yeah, because I told him the week prior that I had to preach on a Wednesday night and I needed to leave work early and I come in early. And he got so mad at me, he didn't put me on the schedule for the next week. When I took this job as being a youth pastor at this church, I was working at a car dealership and making really good money, moving up in their in their you know management levels, and they were really gonna they were gonna put me over a group of guys, about ten guys, and I was gonna run this group of guys within the car dealership, and and everything looked great. And then when the day when the Lord said, "I want you to go quit your job," do you know what that was like talking to my manager? Hey, hey, Mary, I need to talk to you. That was her name. I said, Mary, I need to talk to you. Which, when I went in there to talk to her, she knew it was serious. Because, one, I didn't get in trouble. I remember one time I accidentally, you know, I accidentally parked a car and I scraped this much paint off of a customer's car. And I ran inside and I told her. And she said, I've been doing this for 10 years and nobody's ever came in here and told me that they scraped paint off the car. And she was like... This, it's okay, and I felt so bad. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She was just more shocked that I was so sorry. So then she's sitting there, and by policy, 
at the dealership, if you hit a car, scratch a car or anything, and you work there, you have to take a drug test. And all the service advisors came in there at one time and they said, Mary, you know Reese is not doing drugs. That's what they said. They said, you know, he's always talking about Jesus in here. You know he's not doing drugs. She said, I know, I know, I know. I didn't have to. I had a relationship with these people. I had built, you know, I enjoyed what I was doing. I liked it. And then God says, quit. So I go in her office. I say, Mary, I'm just going to let you know this will be my last week. Her response was like, what? It was like total out of, she goes, what? What's wrong? What happened? Did someone do something? Did someone say something? I'm like, no, Mary, nobody did anything. She's like, wait, why are you quitting? Did we do something wrong? Did somebody, like, she's trying to figure it out because they, I worked so hard and they enjoyed that. They liked that. I said, no, ma'am. I said, God told me to quit. She looked at me, what? Seriously. I'm like, no, God told me to quit, Mary. I got to quit. I'm sorry. I got to obey God first. See, what, what's first? What's more important? You know, everybody's like, well, this is just the way it is. Trust me, if you work hard enough and if you knock enough, you can you could change it around. You could get it where, oh, you don't have to work on this day or you can get a shift change or you can do this. What's your intention of it? And God will set it up that way for you because he'll go, man, they're doing everything they can. They want to be with me. They may move you up in a position. God may move you up and bless you so that you can have more time for him. The reality is, is that everything that we have has to be done for him first. Do you do everything to be with him? It's hard to think that we could have to rearrange our lives for God, yet God rearranged his entire life so that he could save us. His entire life. Jesus knew his purpose, but I think, I think whenever we see that prayer and when he's in the garden and he says, God, if you can take this cup from me, I think he was really expressing to God, is there any other way? Because he understood what he was going to have to do. He understood he was going to have to take the nails. He understood he was going to have to take the beating. He understood that it was going to be really bad. And he couldn't say a word. They were marveled when he stood before Pilate and the officials and he didn't say anything. He just stood there. When they accused him. Have you ever been accused? What do you do? You fight it, right? You're a liar. No, I'm not. I'm not a liar. You stole this. No, I, died. I did not steal that. Go check the cameras. You start fighting. Yeah, here's Jesus. Silent. Doesn't say a word doesn't do a thing, yet at a finger's touch, he could have had them all killed with all the angels that were surrounding. He could have, he could have moved and worked in such a mighty way. I mean, do you, do you not think the thought crossed his mind when he was hanging on the cross and the Roman soldiers were saying, hey, hey, come on, and the Jewish people, hey, if you're this, this great son of God, come on down. No, he didn't rearrange his schedule for you. Why do we do that for for us, why do we rearrange it? Why do we change it? Being obedient to being a part of your church family is showing honor to God first, not just to the people who are there. 
And I'm going to read this. It's Isaiah 56, 6, but it's in the New Living Translation. I think Kevin could change it. If not, it says, I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest. He says, I will bless. I will bless. Where does blessing lie? In obedience. Last, last point. We have to hold fast to God's covenant and hold fast to my covenant. Are we holding fast to our faith? Pastor Keith, if you're here on Wednesday, he alluded to it. He talked about how in Hebrews 12, it talks about running the race of faith. Running the race. Do you hold fast to the covenant of God? You may say, well, what's the covenant of God? I think we need to understand really first what, what a, a covenant is. A covenant it is a pledge that God is our God and that we are reserved to be his people. That's what a covenant is. It's a pledge. A covenant is a formal binding or agreement of pledge between two parties. God made a covenant with us. First, he made the covenant with the law of Moses. But that covenant wasn't given just to be able to, for people to have a relationship with God, but it was given to point out that we on our own and our wickedness and our sinfulness could not get to God. So the sacrifices had to be made for all of the sins. But then God said in Isaiah, he even speaks of it, and Jeremiah speaks of it, that God would form a new covenant with the foreigners, with the people of, uh, who, who weren't of God. If you look in Romans chapter 9, it talks about how God cut off the branches that were there and grafted in the wild olive branches. That's you and I. That's us. Why? By means of his new covenant in Jesus Christ. And we have to hold to that. We can't waver. We have to stay strong in the faith. I told you, the title of this was From Foreigners to Family. If we're going to be the family of God, we have to hold to the covenant of God. If we don't, then what are we living for? What are we obeying God for? Tori, if you could come. I want to spend this last moment. It's 1210. Don't worry. The restaurants haven't closed. I want to spend this moment, these last few moments, if we could all stand If you can stand, please stand. I want to end this, this message today. Whether or not the Lord spoke to you in this or not, that's, that's with you and God, and I pray that he did. But I want to spend this last portion of this praying. And I want it to be intentional in our hearts of saying, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we living the way we live? Is it so that we can deeply pursue and know and have a relationship with God? Is it so we can go through the motions? Maybe somebody here today is a foreigner to God. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. I tell you right now, if you haven't, you're a foreigner to him. You're not joined to him. But if you would, you would be joined to him. If you would accept him and believe upon him, I say that today, maybe, maybe you're not a foreigner to God, but maybe you've been struggling in ministering to God's heart and loving and acknowledging his name in your life. Maybe you've been struggling with being a servant and being honoring in the way that you serve and, and, and are a part of this body. Maybe that's you. 
Maybe you want to be stronger in holding up the covenant that God's given you, given us in Christ. Maybe you really want to stand for the gospel so that when persecution comes, he knows who is his and who isn't his. These are all real things. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be ashamed when Jesus comes back. I think about all of my failures and I think, oh God, how can you love me? But you do. I want us to just pray for a deeper desire for God. How many of you want that in this place? Raise your hand. You want it more. How many of you feel like the Holy Spirit was speaking to you that today? You want it more. You want to go further than you were. See, that's the thing. That's the thing with God. God's not done. God's not done with you. You, you may feel like he's done with you because you're older. No, he's not done with you. I mean, Moses didn't even start till he was 80. Man, and look what he saw. He's not done. The only one who makes it done is you when you choose to stop. But when you pursue and when you go deeper and deeper, God, he, he takes you closer and closer. He takes you further and further, and he shows you more and more. And then it becomes so easy. I finished this off with, with a little testimony, and we'll pray. The other day, I, I went to a CVS over by my wife's work. I was picking up some stuff for her and, and going in there. And, and you know when you go to one place, and they don't have it, and you're like, oh, man, I was in that. I'd gone to Walmart and they didn't have what I was looking for. And I was like, I'll go to the CVS, you know? And I was kind of getting in the flesh and I shouldn't have, you know? And so I walked into the CVS and I looked around and I saw this girl. She was working over to the left and she worked at CVS. She was putting the, you know, all of the different items on the shelf, restocking. And as soon as I saw her, I heard her mother needs healing. That's all I heard in my heart. And in my human nature, I thought, that's just me but then it wouldn't leave. And I thought, maybe it's not me. So of course, she's the only person there to check, to check out with. There's no getting around it. So I get there, I start talking to her. And I said, do you need prayer? That's all I said. She said, yeah. She said, I used to walk with God and I got away. And all these things are going wrong in my life and I don't know what to do. And I just started pouring into her. All of what I didn't realize I had been reading for the past like three days. All that God had put on my heart. And I realized that wasn't for me, that was for her. And I said, does your mom need healing? She said, yes. I said, can I pray for your mom? Can I pray for you? She said, yes. She came around the, the counter. Sometimes you gotta be careful because they can get in trouble at their job. I said, are you gonna get in trouble? She said, I don't care. I said, okay. I said, all right, let's pray. And we prayed. In that moment, I was supposed to be at that CVS. I was supposed to not find it at Walmart. Why? Because God had a purpose in that. But if I, if I hadn't been spending time with God, throughout that week, I wouldn't have heard what he was wanting to do. Let's pray for a deeper hunger for God in our lives. Amen. Let's pray that right now. 
Father, I come to you right now. And I know that this is not by my doing. Because, Lord, I am just a man. I'm a feeble man. I'm a weak man. But, God, your Holy Spirit is powerful. And so, Lord, I pray and I ask through the Holy Spirit right now that the power of God would manifest upon your people here in this room. That right now, Lord, the Holy Spirit would rest on them, would descend upon them, Lord, and he would move in their hearts. That, God, your people would become more hungry, that they would desire not to be a foreigner to you, but to be a family member, God, to be a son, to be a daughter, and for you to be their God and Father. That, Lord, I pray for a deepening of of wanting you, of going to you, God, of putting all the other things aside. If if this is you, if you've been putting things in front of God, raise your hand right now. If you've been putting things in front of God and you haven't been spending time with him, I want you to, whatever those things are, I want you to speak them to him right now and say, God, I give you those things and they have no more power over me in Jesus' name. Father, we give you all the things that have been distracting us right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we say that we're not gonna go back to those things. Even today, even today, your flesh is saying, go home and do this. But Holy Spirit's saying, go home and be be close to me. This is my Sabbath. Go home and rest with me. Do that today. Father, I pray that as you speak to your people through the Holy Spirit, they would listen and they would obey. That God, their hearts wouldn't be conflicted, but their hearts would be focused on you that Lord you would be the voice that they listen to and Lord I pray that the anointing would begin to come even more in their lives understand that the anointing is given by God it's not given by man and so the more time you're with God the more that anointing that he has in your life will be flowing and overflowing on you and onto others and so Lord I pray for those who long for the anointing who long for the power of God who long for the spirit of God to move in them I pray that they would know that it first comes by deep devotion with you God by ministering to your heart and knowing you and loving you and acknowledging you. And in doing that, God, they will find such a deepness with you, such a relationship with you, that they'll begin to hear your voice so clearly. Lord, I pray for those here in this place who want to hear the voice of God even more clearly, who want to hear your voice. Lord, I pray that they would know that to know your voice, they have to spend time with you, that your voice will become so clear to them in that moment, God. I pray that you would continue to just put in this church and in this body a desire to work towards the vision and the calling that you have for us, God. I pray that fear and worry and struggle, God, would leave in Jesus' name. Let all of this come forth in Jesus' name. Maybe you have a work situation and it's, and it's conflicting with you being able to serve in the body of Christ or you being able to, to spend more time with God. If that's you, raise your hand. If you've been having a confliction with that, anyone in this place, I want you to give it to God right now. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for those in this place, Lord, who may be battling against a work environment that tries to hinder, God, the ability for them to be here or to be at church on on the, the days that we gather together. Or, Lord, not only that, to be in personal deep time, that, Lord, when they come home, they're so tired, they're so weary, God, I pray that you would open up doors in their job. You'd open up doors and opportunities, God, so that, Lord, you would rearrange their time, and they would rearrange their time so that you would be put first, God, that you would be put first in all things, God, for your glory, Lord, for your honor, God. And Lord, lastly, we pray that you would help us to live according to your covenant. We pray that you would help us to worship you and to love you. God, we pray that you would help us 
to truly give our lives to you, to praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hold on. I want to read this last portion of Isaiah 56. If we can look at this, it talks about what will come to those who do this. It says, also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. The Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel declares, yet others I will gather to them. That's us, to those already gathered. God's going to take you into such a deep place with him when you put that focus on him. Amen? The blessing comes with obedience. So, Father, as we leave this place, I pray that our hearts would be centered to know that, God, if we diligently seek you, we will be rewarded. And, Lord, it won't be the reward we think we need. It'll be the reward that you see fit to give. And I pray that we would receive that humbly, joyfully, happily, Lord, knowing that it's for our good because you work all things out for our good because we love you, God. We praise you, God. Lord, let all of what was taught today, let all of what Holy Spirit did today be in our hearts when we leave this place, God. And we praise you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning.